The following podcast contains explicit language and movie spoilers. You've been warned. No, seriously, there there's spoilers and, and foul language. Yeah. Welcome to $20 Ticket, where we tell you how much we would pay to watch Jingle All The Way. My name is Kerwin, and joining me today is Jason. What up, Jason? Not much about you, Kerwin. I'm good, man. What are you drinking today? It's an ice cold Coors Light. Also with us is Mugga. What up, Muggs? What up? What are you drinking? Uh, I have a Truly, but I haven't tasted it yet. It's early still. <laughs> it's right. 10 in the morning. We have our Christmas party today. All right. Uh, also with us is TJ. What up, TJ? Hey, Kerwin. Uh, what are you drinking today? I am also drinking a Truly, but I have tasted mine. <laughs> Isn't that your second one? No, this is so much better. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, making his return, a long way to return on the podcast is Rich. How you doing, Rich? I'm good, man. Beautiful day. What are you drinking today? I currently have a Ultra along with a, a medicine ball from Starbucks. <laughs> Go COVID. <laughs> Great combination. All right. So uh, today we are talking about Jingle All the Way, released November 22nd, 1996. It stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sinbad, Phil Hartman, Rita Wilson, Robert Conrad, Jake Lloyd, and Jim Belushi. It's directed by Brian Levant and written by Chris Columbus and Randy Cornfield, and it's distributed by 20th Century Fox. So before we get into behind the scenes, Mugga hit us with the financials. All right. So like you said, this was um, uh, released on my birthday, November 22nd, um, but uh, that was in 96, and also Rich's birthday. So I wanted to throw that out there. Um, But uh, it did not at all show other than the U.S. So there's no international box office for the uh, domestic. It had a little over 60 million. Um, To be exact, it was 592,000 over 60 million, which is ironic because the budget for this film was 60 million. So it made a little bit of money, I guess. Um, Opening weekend, which I'll get into, there were some cool movies that were uh, in the theaters at this time. Um, One thing I wanted to go over, though, I looked into it. Arnold Schwarzenegger was paid $20 million to do this movie. So that's a third of the budget, (laughs) just right there. Um, And I know, Kerwin, you're going to get into this, but uh, I read a statistic on Wikipedia that filming took place in Minnesota, and at the time, it was the largest filming production ever to take place in that state. So that was kind of interesting. But again, like you said, it was in November 22nd, um, 1996. Um, this came in at number four. Number one was Star Trek First uh, Contact. But right after that, Space Jam was in theaters at number two. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ransom was number three. And still kind of making money was Mission Impossible, the first one, at number 14. Mm-hmm. The Rock at number 16, which nice. I thought was cool. Uh, Independence Day, number 12. So there was a lot of cool movies in there. Um, some other things like Romeo and Juliet. But, uh, but I mean, a great time to be in theaters, so... But, uh, but yeah, I came in at number four, and uh, yeah, it's the financials. Hey, Muggs, just to add on to that, brother, internationally, $69 million. Internationally? I went yes. on to Bach Office Mojo, and it had nothing. $69 million. Oh, so then it made a lot of money. Sixty-nine. <laughs> <laughs> $69. $69. <laughs> it's a good number. Yeah. Nice. All right, Jason, uh, tell us what the people thought of the movie. So on Rotten Tomatoes, the critics, can you guys guess what it is? I already know. Yeah. 15%. That's so crazy. Yeah. I agree with that. That is so low. <laughs> I agree with it. Yeah. So 15% of critics like this movie. Average rating of 4.23 out of 10. Um, so 7 rated it fresh and 39 gave it a rotten score. That's not that many people. No, it really isn't. It's only a total of 46 ratings. So yeah. Not a lot. Um, uh, audience, 38% of the audience gave it a 3.5 or higher with an average rating of 2.91 with 228,000 ratings. So... Uh, this movie didn't do very well. Okay, I will also say though, uh, Wikipedia says that CinemaScore gave the film an average of B plus, which is a lot better hmm. than 
the numbers you're reading off. Yeah, that's way better. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is failing um, with a passion, right? Now. Um, there's a of course because uh, they didn't like the movie. There's some funny uh, quotes. So I wrote down three of them. First one is by this guy named Neil Smith from BBC. He said, "You'll need an awful lot of Christmas cheer to forgive Arnold Schwarzenegger for his fourth and a hopefully last venture into comedy, a turkey that needs stuffing on the most inaccessible shelf of your local video store." That was a lot. Um, second yeah. one was from uh, Matt Brunson from Film Frenzy. He said, watching Arnold Schwarzenegger take a stab at lighthearted comedy is often like watching a whale try to maintain its balance on a gymnastic beam. Wow. And then, Impressive. That's a talented whale. I don't know. And then the last one was, um, Arnold terminates the holiday spirit. Aw. And she misspelled Arnold. This is Arnold. So I don't know if she's an idiot. I know I was just like what the hell um, IMDB they have it at 5.6 out of 10 so a little more generous with the rating uh, there wasn't a lot of disparity between the different demos so I didn't write that down but yeah that's the that's the ratings I feel attacked by that rating. I don't know. I don't know, man. But uh, let's get into behind the scenes. Uh, so let's start with the development of this movie. Uh, the writers on this movie are Randy Cornfield and Chris Columbus. Uh, Chris Columbus is a producer for this film, but uh, he's an uncredited writer for the story. Cornfield, uh, you know, Randy Cornfield also wrote uh, Eight Legged Freaks. I don't know how you guys oh, feel yeah. about that movie, but yeah. yeah. Uh, and then Chris Columbus, uh, he has a pretty impressive resume. Um, he wrote Gremlins. Uh, he wrote and directed Nine Months. Uh, he was also a producer on a ton of other movies like uh, Bicentennial Man, the first three Harry Potter movies, the first two Fantastic Four movies, uh, the Night of the Museum films, and uh, The Lighthouse, the one that came out, I think, uh, last year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so he produced that movie. Um, and he also directed uh, the first two Home Alone movies and Mrs. Doubtfire. And he also oh. directed the first two Harry Potter movies. Those are great. Pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah so he... Resume. Yeah, he's got a real good resume. Oh, well, he also did Pixels, so... I don't know. I'll shit the bed sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Can't all be a winner every time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but right off the bat, you know, we can tell that this movie's premise is based on the uh, commercialization of Christmas and how crazy holiday shopping can get and the uh, terrible, terrible decisions people make about buying their gifts last minute. More specifically, this movie relates to the uh, popularity of the Cabbage Patch Kids and Power Rangers franchises. Uh, coincidentally, this movie was released the same time when uh, Tickle Me Elmo dropped. And uh, everybody was going crazy for that back in the mid-90s. So thinking about it, I feel like I was thinking, like, what was the last big craze? I feel like it was Tickle Me Elmo. Has, has there been other things since then? I, I have never done the Christmas shopping like that day or anything like that. So I, I don't well, know. Me either. But I'm just saying, like, that was the last time that I remember, like, supply and demand was really, like, opposite. Like, supply severely outweighed demand. I think opposite i think furbies were a big one too oh, i don't know if it was as big as a tickle me elmo but i remember furbies being a big thing too i think the last thing that i can remember it wasn't necessarily a toy but the last thing that made people go crazy was when the wii first came out oh yeah because i remember like lines being wrapped around target best buy walmart and how people would just get on ebay and would just like upsell those things for like 10 grand and it was like a $200 system or something like that. I know. I had to wait like three months to get mine. Like I had a place I mean, I guess, at Best Buy. I guess the PS5 just came out. That was kind of a big deal. Yeah. Like, I mean, like console launches, like you're going to get a sellout. But I think like, I don't think I've ever seen it as crazy. Like a toy. Like I've never seen it as crazy for like the Wii though. Like the Wii was yeah. like, it was like a toy. The it was way. the first interactive console. Yeah, yeah. And like people were like legit fighting. Like people, people don't fight over 
consoles as often but i remember the wii like motherfuckers were getting like heated like because i waited for mine Mm -hmm. i waited for mine in line and i remember like coming out and like seeing people just like getting in arguments and shit over like oh you went to go take a piss you're out of line and really yeah just all this dumb shit yeah i was outside yeah i was outside of target at like 5 a.m and i was like oh shit there it is so i just got it (laughs) i just i was i was thinking when i was re-watching this i was kind of like obviously it's kind of reminiscent of like all the black friday stuff and of course now black friday they're talking about tvs and stuff but even that has kind of dwindled down to not really that big of a thing now with, I mean, obviously this year has been different, but oh, yeah. even before this, like Black Friday is just yearly has been trending downward as more people like go online mm-hmm. and less for the brick and mortar stores. Yeah. And you know, we're going to get into this in the movie, but I, I think one thing that I noticed uh, when I, when I rewatched it was like, like this movie doesn't happen with online shopping. No, no, yeah. no, no, not at all. You Especially have to wait in Minnesota and, of all places. Yeah. Let's yeah. be real. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting because this is definitely like a piece in time. Like this doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Like this kind of scenario. Yeah. So uh, the writer, uh, Randy Cornfield, uh, he wrote this screenplay for the movie after his in-laws went to a toy store in Santa Monica to get uh, his son a Power Ranger. So they kind of experienced like the hype during the holidays as well. And then uh, Chris Columbus, uh, he also experienced the craziness of the holiday shopping. And back Buzz in Buzz Lightyear, right? Yeah, with yeah. the Buzz Lightyear back in 1995. I remember that Buzz Lightyear because yeah. uh, I wanted one and I didn't get it. <laughs> I, I didn't get it either, man. Yeah, yeah. it's all good though. Uh, the director for this movie is uh, Brian Levant. Uh, he directed both Flintstones movies, uh, Snow Dogs and Are We There Yet? Um, Concerned in the film, uh, Levant says that the story was important to him because it was about a father and son. Uh, he also liked the fact that he got to design the fictional Turbo Man franchise from the ground up and uh, also shoot all the in-universe commercials and TV shows. So the director, not only did he shoot the movie, but he shot the TV show within the movie and he shot the commercials within the movie as well. So he he did all the filming for Turbo Man. Uh, This movie did face some legal troubles. 20th Century Fox and the producers of this movie uh, were sued for plagiarism. In 1998, uh, Murray Hill Publishing sued Fox for $150,000, saying that the idea for Jingle All the Way was stolen from a similar screenplay they bought from a writer and high school teacher named Brian Allen Webster. Uh, The script for that project was called Could This Be Christmas? Uh, According to a BBC article, this movie was centered around uh, two competing parents, one black and one white, trying to get the same gift for their sons. Uh, According to a screenwriter article, this movie would center around two moms instead of two dads trying to get their kids an action figure. And uh, (laughs) it's funny because uh, the name of the figure in that script was Action Man. So and they, we got Turbo Man in this movie, so you can definitely see uh, the similarities. And I believe uh, there was a list of uh, 36 similarities. I couldn't find them specifically online, but um, during during kind of this like legal battle, like there were 36 points that they pointed out. Murray Hill, they tried to sell the idea for their film to a bunch of studios, including Fox, between 1993 and 1994. Uh, Murray Hill president Bob Laurel claims that Fox stole the idea after not hearing from them. So like they kind of pitched Fox the idea. They never got a call back. And then, you know, a year later, they got Jingle all the way in theaters. So, you know, it kind of raises their suspicions. And also, at the time, Randy Cornfield, you know, who's the writer and producer for this movie, he was a script reader at Fox at the time. So he probably would have had access to that original script. Uh, In 2001, Fox was found guilty of plagiarism, and they had to pay out $19 million to Murray Hill. Uh, The original writer of the screenplay, Brian Webster, he also got a cut. Uh, But unfortunately, uh, the Murray Hill president, uh, Bob Laurel, he died before he could get the money. 
However, after an appeal, the 19 million got reduced to 1.5 million, and then eventually the whole lawsuit got dropped and thrown out. Uh, apparently, a judge decided that Fox didn't steal the idea because Fox bought the Jingle All the Way script uh, before anybody at Fox had even read Could This Be Christmas? So it all got dropped. Sound like they had a solid case at first. Yeah, yeah. man. I mean, yeah, one judge thought so. Yeah, nineteen yeah. million. That's yeah. I mean, just Almost as much as Arnold got paid. Just action, <laughs> just just Action Man alone, like Action Man, Turbo Man alone, like that's enough to to make me suspicious, like yeah. to solidify that. But I heard that they were actually going to call it Turbo Guy at one time, weren't they? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Also, Turbo Tom. Yeah, Turbo, Turbo Tom. Tom was was one of the names. Yeah. yeah. So uh, moving on to the cast, uh, we got Arnold Schwarzenegger as uh, Howard Langston. Uh, Tim Allen was originally considered for this part, but we went with Arnold. Uh, before hopping onto this project, Arnold was supposed to star in a remake of Planet of the Apes, uh, which was in development way back in the early 90s. Uh, there was a bunch of nonsense going on with the studio not being happy with the script. And then at some point, Arnold left the project along with Chris Columbus, uh, who was the attached director and writer for the movie at the time. Uh, and they both came on to Jingle All the Way. Uh, Schwarzenegger, like you said, Mugga, he was paid uh, 20 mil to star in this movie. And uh, he said he was attracted to the role because... Uh, he had his own experiences with last minute Christmas shopping, and he also wanted to play an ordinary character in a family film. Wouldn't live out his dream. I don't know. You go to Commando to this. Uh, I know, right? Yeah. And this True was also, lies, you know, as Jason had kind of pointed out at the reviews, this was also like his opportunity into comedy. This was like his fourth kind of non action. After a Kindergarten Cop, right? What were the other? Twins. Uh, twins. 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 Yeah. Was Junior. Junior, Junior yeah. yeah. Where he was pregnant, right? <laughs> We're not going to talk about that one. We're not going to talk about that one. Can't wait to do that one. That's going to be fun. Uh, then we got a Sinbad as a Myron Larrabee. Uh, producer Chris Columbus originally wanted Joe Pesci to play Myron, uh, but they went with Sinbad because they felt that Pesci was too short to play alongside Arnold. Uh, according to IMDb, Arnold is 6'2", and Joe Pesci is 5'3", uh, while Sinbad is a 6'5". Schwarzenegger had just done Twins with Danny DeVito, so they didn't want to play up the size dynamic again in another film. I agree with that. Yeah, they didn't want to play that out. I actually think that was a really good decision because they're in crowds a lot, and you can see both Sinbad and Arnold kind of stand tower above the rest of these people in this crowd. For me, from a visual perspective, it made more sense, too. Yeah, plus, you know, I just, I like Sinbad in this movie. Oh, yeah, I I thought he does a good job. Plus, Joe Pesci was in Home Alone. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Did that Home Alone come out after this? Home Alone was in like the early 90s. It was before, but before? the thing is that they 80s. figured that they can carry that character that over, you yeah. know what I mean? I, I kind of feel like two Christmas movies would have been too much. Yeah. Well, he also had, you know, the lethal weapons and stuff like that already on his plate. Like, yeah. You're yeah. not going to see Joe Pesci as a, true. Yeah. a villain, so to speak, like that. Yeah. And well, then you don't want him to get like, you don't want to move your career to where you're typecast in Christmas movie after Christmas movie. Right. After, right. Yeah. And then could you imagine like going from Jingle all the way to Casino. Goodfellas or Casino? Casino? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Not going to be taken yeah. seriously. Yeah, he might have lost a couple jobs if he would have taken this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, he's, he, he's a Christmas guy now. Like, he's already 5'3. I mean, it's hard to see him as intimidating. Right. right. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, especially against Arnold. Yeah. Um, so uh, <laughs> he could have been one of the demon team, though. I just. <laughs> <laughs> There, there's a family guy where Peter holds up Joe Pesci. He's like, this. This is what people in the 90s were afraid of. This is a bad guy. Yeah, concerned to Sinbad, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's agent uh, was actually the guy that suggested Sinbad for the role. Uh, but 
The producers, they didn't think he'd be a good fit for a villain because it might ruin his family-friendly reputation. Uh, Sinbad disagreed, feeling that the audience might be a little more sympathetic to his character. Sinbad also missed his audition for this movie. Uh, so at the time, he was already booked doing a USO tour with Hillary Clinton and Sheryl Crow overseas, but Chris Columbus decided to wait for him to come back and reschedule. Uh, Sinbad, he kind of felt he messed up by missing the initial audition, and he felt so bad that apparently he thought about quitting yeah, show business altogether. Yeah. Like he felt that guilty about it but Chris Columbus was like nah man you're good and he got the part anyway so it's pretty cool yeah I'm glad he got it and uh, you know on set a lot of what you see with Sinbad is uh, improvised and uh, apparently him and Arnold they pretty much improvised most of their interactions on screen so a lot of that stuff is not in the script then we got Phil Hartman as uh, Ted Malton Uh, this is the last film uh, that was released while Phil Hartman was still alive for anybody that doesn't know, uh, Phil Hartman was murdered by his wife, uh, Bryn Omdahl, in May of 1998. Uh, in addition to this movie, Hartman had worked with Sinbad on two other films, Coneheads and Houseguest. And according to IMDb, Schwarzenegger and Rita Wilson really got along with him off camera. Um, and while we don't get into the backstory of Ted in this movie, uh, Phil Hartman kind of created his own headcanon yeah. about his character, uh, saying that, quote, uh, Ted is a guy who sued his former employer for headaches caused by toner fumes and now hangs around the neighborhood and uh, helps all the housewives. So I, I know what that's like because my, my job has a fucking printer in our office and they should be sued. Anyway, but... On set, uh, Hartman was known to make up songs to entertain the child actors on set. So whenever they got bored or restless, uh, he would sing to them and have them sing along. So uh, I want you guys to sing these lyrics along with me. So repeat after me, all right? It's a special song. It's trash. Trash. (laughs) Ready? You make my butt shine. You make my my butt butt shine. shine. The more you kiss it, the more it shines. The more you kiss it, the more it shines. The clock is ticking. The clock is ticking. So keep on licking. So keep on licking. Oh, how you make my buttocks shine. Oh, how you make my buttocks shine. Are you saying this to kids? Yes. Sounds appropriate. The kids loved it. So am I wrong? Okay, let's just keep going. In front of other people? Alone? Well, they specifically, I believe they specifically said like it was in like the car scene and stuff because the kids were getting restless. Oh, okay. That's good. You know, but. Where on set are we talking about? (laughs) Closed doors. His voice is very recognizable. Is he on The Simpsons for characters? I swear he is, but I couldn't find that. Uh, I didn't I didn't look that up, but um, I mean, maybe. I, I don't know. I'm positive his voice is on The Simpsons somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then uh, next we got uh, Rita Wilson as uh, Liz Langston. Uh, aside from acting in TV and films, she's also a producer, and uh, she produced uh, both Big Fat Greek Wedding movies and uh, both Mamma Mia films. Mm. Yeah, favorites of our, uh, of our crew. Yeah. Uh, she's also Tom Hanks' wife, so that's cool. Uh, we got Jake Lloyd as Jamie Langston. Uh, for anybody that doesn't know, uh, he's Anakin in Phantom Menace. Uh, this movie is not his first acting role, though. He played Jimmy Sweet on ER, whoever that is. And uh, he was in a 1996 movie called Unhook the Stars before this movie. So he, he had a few acting roles before Phantom Menace. You never know it, but... Oh God! But he did. Hey, we we love we love little Anakin, kind of. No, we didn't. kind of, we kind didn't. of. But I didn't. but can we agree? Are you that an we angel? Liked, <laughs> we like Jamie better than Anakin, or no? You don't. No, like Anakin's so. better than Anakin's. Jamie. Anakin's better than yeah. Jamie. Oh, okay. Well, I'm. He just only got slightly better with each role. Yeah, 
Oh, I'm, I don't agree with you. You like Jamie better than Anakin? I thought Jamie was so much better than Anakin. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. I mean, but I think, I in my mind, I think it's because, like, Jamie's more of, like, a normal, just a normal kid. So mm-hmm. he just has to be a kid. True. Versus Anakin, who's, like, in Star Wars, it's, like, make-believe land. He's like Space Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Space <laughs> Jesus. What? His, his, what, remember? There was no father. Like, you remember? Come on. Space yeah, I just remember Jesus. Anakin being not great. <laughs> Father was out getting a turbo guy. <laughs> Space Jesus. Now this is pod racing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next. Oh, that's exactly the scene I was thinking about too. Next, we got uh, Robert Conrad as uh, Officer Alexander Hummel. Uh, according to Screen Rant, this part was originally ri- uh, written for a woman. Conrad says that the producers decided to give him the part because they wanted a guy that could actually uh, make Arnold pull over when he's told to pull over and uh, the audience would believe it. Uh, for anybody that doesn't know, he played uh, James West in the original Wild Wild West TV show. Hmm. And uh, concerning that, uh, he was not a fan of that film, by the way. But uh, we can get into that when we review Wild Wild West. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. yeah unfortunately, uh, Robert Conrad actually passed away this year, uh, 2020 in February. Yeah, so uh, he's gone. Uh, then we got Jim Belushi as a mall Santa. Jim Belushi previously worked with Schwarzenegger in the films uh, Red Heat and Last Action Hero. Uh, James Belushi, um, also he played Santa. I heard prior to that he had some experience prior to this movie. For like four years he had oh, yeah. played Santa numerous times for like different families. I thought that was kind of interesting. Just yeah, like, he was like in-home Santa. Or yeah, he would like actually yeah, go in-home. to the like like parties or whatever yeah. and, and play Santa. Oh, shit. Yeah. He said it was like an estimated 150 or 400 houses or something That's like crazy. that. I was like, what? Wow. Uh, then we got Martin Mull as the radio station DJ. Uh, he was told that his role for the movie would only take about one or two days to shoot, but it required him for some reason. Like two weeks or something, huh? Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah it required him to shoot specifically on a rainy day. I wonder but, why, because they were indoors. No idea. Makes no sense. And um, it didn't rain for two, like two and a half weeks while they were in Minneapolis. So he had to stay on set for two and a half weeks until it decided to rain. And uh, for anybody that doesn't know, this guy, uh, he's the principal from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I also, he's also in something else. I was just. I could not figure out why I knew his voice and his mannerisms. Because obviously this is 96. And I'm like, something recent. And Jason, can you figure it out? It's on a TV show we always watch. He's on the ranch. He's the lawyer that always uh, uh, has advice for the wife, Bo's wife, and all that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was yeah. like, why do I know this guy's voice? I finally figured it out this morning. Oh, shit. Oh, Roseanne. He was the, the gay boss of Roseanne. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Well, isn't the, the big giant Santa, isn't that the big show? It is it the is. big yeah. show. Yeah. 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 Also, Vern Troyer is the yeah. little Santa. Was the little Santa, yeah. yeah. There's just one little. Um, the remote control uh, Asian kid that Arnold's, a, he's oh, also yeah. on Little Giants. He looked very familiar. Yeah, I was like, I know he's on Little Giants, yeah. All right, so uh, moving on to production. Uh, they filmed in Minnesota for about five weeks, starting in April. Uh, at that time in 1996, like you mentioned before, Muggs, uh, Jingle All the Way was the largest film production to go on in the entire state. Brian Levant spent a few months in the Minneapolis area uh, before filming in order to prepare for production. Uh, they filmed at the Mall of America, Mickey's Diner, downtown Minneapolis, Linden Hills, Adena, and uh, St. Paul. 
for the sake of the movie, uh, they treated Minneapolis and St. Paul as one city, which is why you see police described in the film as uh, Twin Cities Police. Uh, Arnold was cool with the place and felt like a lot of the locals were very cooperative, but the director, Brian Levant, he kind of felt the crowds that came to watch the production were uh, way too large and way too loud, and he said that filming was impossible, uh, specifically at the Mall of America. Uh, I don't know if you guys watched the behind the scenes on this, but like, while they're trying to film in the mall, people are just like crowding, yeah. like the top stories, just screaming Arnold, Arnold, Arnold the whole time. And I don't know how the fuck they, they filmed that shit, but I don't know. Maybe they ADR'd it or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Brian Levant, he did say that they were respectful and lovely people, probably after he got his paycheck. Uh, the parade <laughs> that we see in the movie is based on a real series of parades that took place in downtown Minneapolis in the early 90s up until uh, 2013. Uh, they would have these parades at night from Black Friday up until a few days before Christmas in order to uh, boost business for stores in the area. In the movie, it's called the Wintertainment Parade, but in real life, the parade is known as uh, the Holidazzle Parade. Wintertainment is so much better. It really is. That's such a better name. Yeah, it's much more wintertaining. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, the director... <laughs> See what you did there. The director, uh, he also wanted to film the Wintertainment Parade at night, just like the real Holodazzle Parade, but uh, the studio shut that down real quick. Uh, it, it just wasn't practical for them. They didn't film the Wintertainment Parade in Minnesota, though. Uh, they actually filmed it uh, at Universal Studios Hollywood uh, out here in California, and they filmed it on the New York set. Uh, the set was redesigned to look like Second Ave in downtown Minneapolis, and they composited uh, footage from the LA shoot uh, with actual shots of the real life location. So they would shoot uh, top down with helicopters, and they would, uh, you know, composite that, stitch it into, you know, matte shots of, you know, the actual Minnesota streets. The parade took three weeks to film. Uh, they used 1,500 extras, and they built three custom designed floats for the sequence. Uh, the Martian band that you see in the movie is the actual UCLA Martian band. So uh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. So there's that. Also, it was hot as hell because I think they were filming this, in the spring or the summer. This is interesting. Summer. Spring, spring into summer. Yeah, yeah. yeah, spring into summer. Yeah. So um, it got so hot that apparently the the water in Sinbad's helmet would start to boil. That's they nuts. said. They yeah. said there was times it would get up to almost 100 degrees. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's yeah. crazy, dude. Wow. How would you want to sit there? With that? I really, I really like that costume. I thought it was really cool, and the fact that the water was boiling inside <laughs> makes it even cooler. I think. I I'm surprised he survived. How the did it not boiling. steam though? You know what I mean? I don't know, yeah. yeah. Like kind of fog up the, mm -hmm. the yeah, brain. Yeah, you would have yeah, seen it. Yeah. Fog up the brain. <laughs> in addition to the parade, they also shot store interiors in LA, and the uh, Santa Factory fight was filmed in a Pasadena furniture warehouse, uh, so out here in California as well. Um, and then uh, one thing I want to talk about, uh, I want to take a minute to talk about the desert they filmed at. So you know the opening sequence where you know they're fighting mm. Power Rangers style and whatnot? Uh, it's called the uh, Vasquez. Power Rangers. I mean, let's be real. I, that's what I thought of. Yeah, yeah. his Power Rangers. He even well, does that was the, the inspiration behind it. Actually, yeah. yeah, he even does like the front flip across the screen, like they do on the show. Yeah, like, he does that too. Um, so it's called the uh, the Vasquez Rocks, and it's located in the uh, Sierra Palona Mountains near Palmdale. Uh, so it's about an hour from downtown LA. Uh, there were a lot of movies and TV shows that were filmed there. I'm just, you know, I cut the, I cut the list down a little bit, but. Uh, the movies that were filmed there were uh, Bubble Boy, The Flintstones, uh, Galaxy Quest, uh, Star Trek, and uh, ironically, uh, the 2001 version of Planet of the Apes that oh, Arnold wow. was supposed to be in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that got shot there. Uh, and as far as TV, we got uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Star Trek, uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, 
and uh, my favorite, Battlestar Galactica. So they all filmed those out there too. Um, They finished filming everything in August 1996, but Chris Columbus, he wanted to keep kind of fine-tuning the movie, um, and he kept using test audiences up until the film's release because he really wanted to see and pinpoint like the big laughs were in the movie, like what the big moments were. I don't know what he did, but he used a lot of test audiences, so. Yeah, they said that he was editing until the very last minute before the deadline. He's getting his Peter Jackson on, I guess. I don't know. All right, let's move on to the Turbo Man character himself. Uh, Like we said earlier, the Turbo Man franchise had to be designed from the ground up for this movie, including the character designs, packaging, commercials, and the TV show. Uh, Also, like we mentioned, you know, Brian Levant, the director, he directed all the commercials in addition to this movie. Uh, The director says that when creating the character, they wanted to create an amalgam of all the things they liked about every superhero. So Marvel, DC, etc. They just wanted to create the ideal superhero. Uh, the production designer on this movie is uh, Tim Flattery, who, not surprisingly, also worked on Batman and Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So we got more Power Rangers influence going on here. Uh, and they also based the design of the character around the storyboards, what the character's abilities should be based on how certain sequences would play out. So if they needed him to fly, if they needed him to shoot discs or whatever, that's how they designed him, based on what the plot needed the character to do. On top of that, uh, not only were they creating a fictional character in-universe, they also had to craft a superhero character that Arnold could play realistically, since he was, you know, one of the biggest action movie stars at that time. Uh, They had a bunch of names for the guy, you know, the main character, Turbo Man, like we said before. They had Turbo Guy, Turbo Tom, and uh, they had The Turbo. I thought that was... I like that one. Yeah, The Turbo. I don't know. Uh, Originally, the Turbo Man suit was going to be a a skin-tight suit, kind of like spandex, I guess. Mm. But, um, you know, since Arnold was like a big dude and, you know, at the time and, you know, he's still kind of ripped or whatever. But uh, when they put it on him, it just looked like a tight outfit without any muscle definition. So they decided to go with a uh, a muscle sculpted suit, kind of like Michael Keaton's Batman. Batman, yeah. 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 So they built the suit using a body cast, which means that Arnold would have to stand completely still while a bunch of people kind of apply a plaster to his body in order to replicate his figure. And uh, he had to stand still, perfectly still, for an extra 20 minutes just so it could dry. Arnold said that he had to uh, watch his breathing because if he inhaled too much, uh, he'd break the plaster before it could set. After making the body cast, uh, the crew went to work building the real Turbo Man suit. Uh, It was super hot in the suit. You know, we talked about how they filmed in the spring into the summer. Um, So what they did was uh, they ran cold water through the suit using built-in tubes to keep it cool. The guy that plays Turbo Man in the TV show that you see in the opening sequence, uh, his name is Dan Reardon. Uh, He's taller and leaner than Arnold, so they also had to build him a suit as well. And they also built multiple suits for the additional stunt actors as well as stunt-specific suits. So if they had to do flight, they had to have flame shootout, etc., they they had a suit for all uh, all those occasions. Like the vest that they put in with the cold water running through the tubing is actually also used by race car drivers to make sure they don't overheat. That's right. Like the F1 drivers and like NASCAR stuff? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. That's dope. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. There's no AC in those cars. Nope. They don't got shit. Damn. It's tough out there. You got to be driven, I guess. I hate you. What, dude? You're I mean, such a costume. <laughs> look, dog. Look, it's it's just, you know, when you're driving a race car, you got to have some sort of formula for success. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry, guys. Let's race to the finish here. All right. <laughs> Can we steer back to the movie now? <laughs> hey, I know you guys are tired of these questions. <laughs> 
Let's keep this engine going. <laughs> Guys, let's try to avoid all oh spoilers. God. Oh my God, it never ends. <laughs> uh, the guy, you know, Daniel Reardon, that plays him in the opening, um, he's also afraid of heights, uh, but he still managed to find a way to power through the cable and wire scenes of him flying during production. Uh, for the jetpack, um, for the Turbo Man suit jetpack, you know, speaking of heights, uh, they took a lot of practical consideration into building it, like the boosters that extend, where the flames come out, making sure that the actors don't get burned by the flames, making sure that the joysticks that come out of the suit, you know, were believable. So he actually had, you know, sockets for the joysticks to come out. You know, in addition to the jetpack, uh, even the turbo boomerang was practical. Um, it was a spring-loaded gadget that opened up, and uh, Arnold actually threw it. You know, the boomerang that he throws, he mm -hmm. actually threw it. He threw it into a blanket because the boomerang would never be that accurate. <laughs> so he would just throw it, and then they give it back to him. Um, so any shots you see of Turbo Man flying are either on set with a wire rig or against a blue screen, of course. Uh, Tim Flattery, the Turbo Man designer, uh, he says that uh, Brian Levant loved the suit so much that he personally called him and told him that the Turbo Man suit was the best superhero suit he'd ever seen in any movie at that time. Trash. <laughs> disagree there. It was good, though. I mean, you're right. It is reminiscent of Batman suit. Yeah. It's, it's Except for the yellow visor that he's yeah. got. The shield. Face shield. Also, how funny that Jamie doesn't know that it's his dad when he's looking through it. Regardless clear of Jamie, yellow. how does his wife not know it's him? Yeah. Oh, Do you hear the accent during the movie? He's the only Austrian... <laughs> In Minnesota, in a hundred square miles here. Facts. How do you not know that it's him? Jimmy. <laughs> so uh, aside from the movie, though, uh, this character and film, of course, were conceived from the jump to be marketed as a real figure or line of figures that could be sold alongside the film's release. So they wanted to create, you know, their own kind of mini franchise outside of the movie. Uh, unfortunately. Only the Turbo Man dolls got made. Uh, there was a Dementor figure prototype made, but it never went into mass production. Uh, Sinbad said he received a prototype, but they told him to give it back, and it never got made. So yeah, that kind of sucks. Um, no, no booster? No. Nobody likes <laughs> booster. booster. Nobody likes that mobile. Also, you can still buy Turbo Man dolls on eBay. What? In the package is $500. Yep. Wow. Jeez. So there's 200 bare naked. If you need one. Up to 1300 Yeah, only 200000 made. That's a PlayStation, though. Sold for $25 at Walmart. Fuck. Wow. Uh, Should have invested. I know. What the Damn. hell? In Turbo Man? Stock. Yeah. Well, it's funny because they only had about six months to actually make the toy mm -hmm. and release it, which was something that usually takes about a year. Well, well yeah. It took that long. To piggyback on that, I think a lot of the critics kind of saw through like this idea or this plot and said, like, this is just a merchandising grab. So the director or the producer, one of them, was like, they're wrong because we would have needed way more time if we were going to make this, right. per, you know, put this into production for a merchandising grab. We would have done this with so much more leeway, but they only had six months. And as you said, Rich, it normally takes a year from beginning to end to get things into store. So they really missed the mark. Yeah. from a merchandising perspective. Yeah, and they couldn't even get like um like tie-in promotions, so like there's no yeah. no happy meal, no kids right, meal. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like so none of that stuff. As far as like the critics who are like saying this movie was basically just a ploy to sell toys, they couldn't be further from the truth because they didn't sell anything. They made 200,000 Turbo Man dolls. And that's it. But hey, $500, you can get one mint condition. Yeah. You want to go half? <laughs> <laughs> let's let's talk about uh sequels, right? Uh, so there is a post-credit scene at the end of this movie uh, where you see uh, Howard finally putting the star on top of the tree, and uh, you know his wife Liz asks him, 
you know, uh, you work so hard for Jamie. I wonder what you got me for Christmas. And, you know, the camera does the zoom in on his face and he's like, holy shit. And um, that was supposed to be a setup for a sequel. Uh, unfortunately, that sequel never got made. I would not know what it's going to be called. But uh, there was a, a related film called Jingle All the Way 2. Uh, and it was directed DVD and it uh, was released in 2014 and it stars Larry the Cable Guy and it's produced by WWE Studios. Jesus. Has anyone watched it? That tells you everything you need to know. But yeah, has anyone seen it? I have not. Oh, hell no. No. Well, current. Guys, guys, a year from now, you all will have seen it. (laughs) Because I I think that's the next Christmas movie we're going to do. And I can't. Current probably paid for it. Guys, you know what? I he will, owns it, bro. I will pay for it, and we can all watch it together. Wow! Because I, I, I'll save you guys the money, but I, I feel like we gotta we gotta rip this movie apart. Because Larry the Cable Guy. Because not a lot of people know that there's a sequel to this movie. Wait, I found out. I found out doing the research. Huh? Have you actually seen it? Nah. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I was I was on Apple TV looking for Jingle All the Way, and I just happened to see part two, and I was like, "What? There's yeah. a part two? Like completely unrelated, but it yeah. is the same kind of." Vibe, yeah, guess. no characters, nothing. It's about a stepdad and uh, his stepdaughter, and somehow they build a relationship through wrestling. WWE, I don't know. I mean, they, Such they a really went swap. <laughs> the opposite direction, right? From Arnold Schwarzenegger to Larry the Cable Guy. Yeah, just complete opposite. Yeah, it's just like one guy needs to hit the gym, and one guy needs to take care of his kid. I don't know. It's <laughs> it's pretty bad, but yeah, that movie. Uh, it doesn't have a critics rating, but it does have a 30% audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, it's a good that pisses wow. me off because that's better than Jingle All the Way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, that's that's the that's the audience rating though. It doesn't right. even have a critics rating. Yeah, yeah, which is pretty bad. Is it because it didn't come out in theater? I think so. Yeah, yeah, but I, I would hate to be a critic and have to review that, even if I got paid. But uh, yeah, that's it for the release and the sequel. But uh, let's move on to. Uh, any fun facts we got? So the only thing that I got, I know, and I was watching it because I'll get into my experience. I just recently watched this for the first time. Being a Christmas movie, fun family thing, the alcohol scenes I heard was like the biggest complaint from parents when they took their kids to see it. Um, not necessarily when they're drinking at the diner, but the whole reindeer sharing beers with him and him acting drunk as well as the reindeer. I heard right. that was like a big complaint amongst viewers. So I, I don't know. I mean, when I'm watching it, I'm kind of like, I don't know if it fits the movie. I don't know why... At least the second scene of alcohol. I don't know why. For me, I didn't necessarily even notice it. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't either. The first part, though, the one in the diner, I think you kind of get it because he's a postman. You know what I'm saying? Especially around Christmas time. Yeah. Right? So. Life's hell. (laughs) And remember, at the time, going postal is the thing. You know what I mean? And so you think about it, like, you know, and if you think about the actual movie, too, (laughs) He throws a damn package at a cop that has a bomb in it. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you, it kind of adds to that pressure of, oh, hey, I'm the postman during yeah. Christmas time. Like Making him know. a postman, I think, is hilarious, but also... It's, it's brilliant, I but think. But also really scary. Yeah. But you kind of see why he's so on edge. Yeah, but I think, uh, I think uh, the one, the drinking scene with the reindeer... You know that's for comedic value, whatever. Yeah. But the the scene with uh, Anakin drinking the alcohol, the blue milk, whatever, like that that is a hallucination that Arnold's having. Right. Like he's picturing his kid becoming a loser because he can't get him this toy. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. So yeah. like, so I understand. I understand that. I, I thought it was funny, but we also got to look at it this way in the lens of like the early to mid '90s. Remember how hardcore 
people were with like censoring everything we watched as kids. Like there were there were like I mean, violence and yeah, anything. There were there were like fucking hearings in courts about Power Rangers and how it was right. like yeah. hyper violent and how um they were trying to take you know, the sex and the drugs and the rap music and everything and the rock and roll out of, you know, MTV was accused of, you know, demoralizing the youth and all that other shit. Like this yeah. is, this is at the height of fucking, I don't know, what's, what's the opposite of living a life? <laughs> I don't know, of the nineties, just like, uh, just like adults, like middle-aged adults were just fucking terrified of everything. Concerned. Yeah. Yeah. Concerned wish, that maybe we could show them a Cardi B music video yeah. now. Like, Hey, check this out in 2020. I mean, to be fair, I don't think Cardi B makes movies or music videos for like eight year olds, but <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing that caught my attention too about Myron is his name. Sinbad's character. Yeah. Um, is like, he's in his work uniform with packages the whole time. So like, is he just supposed to be working right now and, and not like, he's just, out looking I have for that a question toy too, when he's especially on, the on clock. Christmas Eve. Like, no wonder why the postal service is getting shut down. Yeah. <laughs> like, we have this shit going on. Uh, so, I have a couple, I don't know, maybe they're Easter eggs that I found online that I wanted to share with you guys. Uh, the first one, um, I don't know, maybe they're not Easter eggs, maybe they're stupid. I don't know. Just tell us. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, so, in order for Howard and the mall Santa to get into the warehouse, they have to sing Jingle Bells, Batman Smells. Well, we all know that Arnold Schwarzenegger would later go on to play Ice Man, Mr. Freeze, Mr. Mr. Freeze, um, in uh, Batman. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I'm getting my comics. Play Ice Man in X Two. X Two. Okay, I'm gonna start over. No, no, I'm gonna start over. All right, fine. I'll let you start over. Okay. Jingle Bells, Batman Smells. And we all know that Arnold Schwarzenegger would later go on to play Mr. Freeze in the Batman movie. Uh, but also, did you guys know that Arnold Schwar Schwarzenegger appeared as himself in a photograph on Max's desk in Batman Returns in 1992? Oh, Christopher Walken's character? Yes. Yeah. So there was a photo on his desk with him and Arnold. Oh, wow, I never huh. knew that. Me either. I learned it. So anyways, I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, also, uh, in Jamie's room, in the beginning of the movie, when Arnold is apologizing for missing the karate belt ceremony, ceremony thank you, yeah. um, there's a picture of the Incredible Hulk, and in 1973, Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, friend and fellow bodybuilder, Lou Frigno, starred in the Incredible Hulk, so yeah. that was kind of like an Easter egg there. And then there's also a, a little bit of an Easter egg, I guess, in the scene where Howard is in the tow truck with the tow truck driver. Uh, that tow truck driver uh, who tells him to show a little bit of emotion is actress Marianne, I'm gonna butcher this last name, Moliere Lee, uh, who played the wrong Sarah Cooper in Terminator. Connor, wrong Sarah Connor. The wrong Sarah Connor, yes, you're right. Yeah. I think it was her roommate, like he walks in on and shoots her and thinking it's Sarah Connor. I can't remember oh, yeah. that. Yeah. Maybe, I've never seen that movie. Oh the, first the original? The oh first my god. One. Oh, come on. I know. DJ TJ. I knew that was going to happen. Well, wait, you never seen Terminator 2 till like three years ago. I saw number one. Okay, that's fair. That's uh, fresh. No, it is not. The other, I mean, <laughs> seen number two. Well, I mean, like, most people haven't seen the first one. I, I, I got to admit, most people oh. have not seen the first one. Because what are they, like a decade apart or some shit like that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, about. It was 80. It was like early. I didn't really care for the first. I mean, it's good, but I don't really. 
I don't know. It didn't spark interest in me. And that, that's probably why I never went on. And then they had done two. And then there's a couple afterwards. There was T3 that was in what? The late 90s? Uh, that was like 2001? Yeah. Yeah. Close to it. So I, and I never got into the franchise. And Jason's like, you have to watch T2. And I was like, all right, fine. Yeah. Because like, number one didn't really spark interest to me. Yeah. Because T2 works. Because if you've seen the first one, you're like, oh, shit. Here we go again. And then yeah. that twist gets you at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. 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 But let's talk about this movie. So, uh, Mugga, tell us your experience with Jingle All the Way. It's the most like boring experience ever. I had never seen this movie, and so I was getting ready to purchase it on Amazon. And then my fiance said, "I think we have it for free on Hulu." So, searched it up. We had it. So I had to pay zero dollars to. Well, you can kind of see where I'm going with this. But uh, but yeah, I watched it about four days ago for the first time, and that was it. <laughs> I mean, that's my. Oh, you experience. didn't see it until this. I have never seen it until oh. three days ago. Yeah, three or four days ago. When did I watch it? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, Rich. Tell us your experience with this movie. Well, I originally seen this way back in the day, and I'm kind of glad you brought it up. So I was like, you know what? Let me. Let me visit Turbo Man again. <laughs> Luckily, I found it on my ghetto box that I paid $20 for every month, so it was technically free. Um, I lucked out and watched the Tyson fight and everything before, so <laughs> kind of all worked out. It wasn't bad, it wasn't good, and of course we can get into that. But just a quick side note, the original Turbo Man, Dan Reardon, whatever his name is, doesn't he look like MAGA? <laughs> No. 100%. Nah. Watch the movie again and you guys are going to be like, you know what? Nah, bro. That's Mugga. Is it the no, nose? I that sh- is Mugga. It's just, it's just the, here down. Yeah. Here down. Okay. So Kaiser down. What you're going to need to do is do on Instagram a poll with me next to okay. that and just right. say if yes or no if I look like it. Can we please go buy a Turbo Man helmet just so Mugga can put it on? I'm not doing the, the, do the yellow side face. By side. I'm not doing the yellow face. With the microphone? Come you need on. it though. You need the visor because when you fly you got bugs flying in your face. Like You don't want that. Okay, who's next? Come on, experience. Come on. <laughs> I know, we, we will put that poll up. We will put that poll up. All right, uh, Jason, what's your experience with this movie? I think I actually watched this in theaters with my dad and my sister. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I I was excited to see the movie. I rewatched it this week, but I remember really enjoying this movie the first time I watched it. I was like, it's Arnold. I love Arnold, and um, I was excited to see him in like in a because I hadn't seen Twins yet. I don't think or him in like maybe even Kindergarten Cop yet. But so it was like my first like comedy experience with Arnold, and I was excited to see. It. I remember you know really enjoying it. Uh, my feelings have changed slightly since then. Uh, but I mean, nothing real special, but I did see this in theaters. And uh, TJ, what's your experience? Yeah, similar to Jason, you know, 1995, 1996, I was probably, I probably saw this in theaters with my family, with my sister, my mom, and my dad. Uh, I still like the movie. I still watch it every year. So yeah, um, you, you liked Elf. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I think obviously I have a soft spot for Christmas, for movies. Christmas movies. Yeah. Trash. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so yeah, I probably saw it in theater. I, the specific memory does not come back to me. I don't recall anything special happening other than just seeing it and liking it so okay cool uh my experience i do not remember the first time i've seen this movie but i've seen this movie a whole lot uh specifically for this podcast you know we were supposed to watch this last year but you know other things got in the way uh yeah i i rented it like a month ago to do research and then um i watched it again last night because why not and uh yeah here we are recording so yeah i saw it twice for this podcast that's it Cool. All right, so uh, moving on to Trash and Treasure. Mugga, why don't you tell us what yours is? So I'm going to try to be, so I don't steal a lot of your guys if I'm going first. Um, 
some of the things that I was at the very beginning, I noticed, and I, when I text you right when I saw it, Anakin Skywalker is in this movie. <laughs> right. um, so I'm, I'm, I'm drawn to it, but I'm the whole time I'm thinking he's Anakin Skywalker. So he's trying to get his purple belt at the beginning. His kicks are horrible. Like he's so <laughs> unathletic. And I'm like, this is supposed to be, like you said, you know, Star Wars Jesus. And he's not a good kicker. I would not have all given him a purple belt for that, but whatever. Um, the whole North Pole factory scene I thought was unnecessary to the story at all. He's leaving the Mall of America, right, without the doll. Santa stops him. They do their whole ordeal, and he still is leaving without the doll. Like, I thought it was stupid, dumb, n- unnecessary. It dragged on. I don't, I just, you can cut that scene out. This movie still goes on. Okay, I agree with you about that, yeah. about the movie still going on. But I think because this movie is a commentary on the commercialization of holidays, yeah. like, you want to show kind of the underground aspect of it. Like, yeah. that, you know, a bunch of Santas... Who, are you, you know, talking about the warehouse scene? Yeah, yeah, oh. that, that we're supposed to love and your kids yeah. are supposed to love. Like even they're fucked up. I yeah. think I think that was the point of that scene. But I, I, just, I but I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, I, I just thought it was or that, or that parents will go to any length. Any extent, yeah, that's like, what I was cabbage patch all days. Yeah. And tickle me up. They'll go to any length to get. Yeah, the and me, there's like this. You don't like, think that Kerwin said there's a whole underground like fake toys that are being sold, which we see everywhere now. Like you can go in it. Yeah. But it looked like it looked like you know Arnold was going to a trap house to go buy drugs. Yeah, you know what I mean? Kind of dumb. situation. Like, okay. um, I thought the relationship between Jamie and Howard is like awful. I feel like they was so forced. They have no chemistry. Whether he's trying to like get him after his karate thing or he's on the phone with him, they just they don't connect at all. Um, yes, so, he's a bad dad. Yeah, he is. You know, he's a mattress um, salesman. The one thing that I just like, I like that there's a. I guess a, a feud between Sinbad and Arnold's character, um, but it's like it goes on and off, on and off. And I wish they would just pick a lane and go with it. Hey, you guys are both hating each other, and you're going to compete for this one doll, and we'll end it. Like, there's like what two or three times where they like are cool with each other. Yeah, I, I didn't. It's, like, it's just like make up your mind. You know, I didn't like that. The <laughs> The bomb scene, so the bomb goes off with the police officer, which, but like an hour later, he's still out there working. It's like, you can't give this guy on Christmas Eve the rest of the day off after a bomb just exploded <laughs> on him. I, I thought that was stupid. Um, but, uh, Kerwin, I think you will agree with me on this one. When Arnold gets into the Turbo Man suit, right? His voice starts to digitize, and I'm like, "That's Mr. Freeze!" Like yeah. I'm like, "That's Mr. Freeze!" Like, like, and I'm just like, "Stop it! You got to do something different, you know?" No, like, it sounds just like just him. like it, you know. Yeah. And I, I did not like it. Um, Everybody okay, chill. That's, that's Mr. Freeze's fault then, because that came after this. Well, whatever, dude. Trash. Um, <laughs> I, I thought Ted was so annoying, but oh in a sense, I think that's a good segue to go in my treasure because I thought he did a good job. Like, you have to hate this guy, oh, you know? Yeah. You're like, you're a piece of shit, man, you know? Um, I thought Jamie's room, so now I'm in Treasures, obviously. Uh, Jamie's room is pretty cool. I think the art that they had with the Captain Avengers art on there, I mean, if I'm a young kid, like, I would love a room like that. I didn't have that, you know, but... Yeah. Uh, Wait, who? He said Captain Avengers. Oh, what I said? Oh, Captain America, sorry. But he had, like, the Avengers thing, because he had the whole... Yeah, yeah, there, yeah, all the, all yeah. yeah. Captain America, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I looked at Kerwin real quick, I was like, who's going to say it? Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> we've already had two trillies now. I'm, okay. hey, I'm not going to lie. That's, that's a pretty good superhero name, Captain, yeah, Avengers. Captain Avengers. I like that. Um, I mean, I know we're doing a Christmas movie like, kind of like we did Elf. I only laughed one time in Elf. I really laughed one time when Schwarzenegger punches the Turtle Man action like cardboard cutout, and it comes back to hit him. I actually laughed out loud. I thought that was funny. Other than that, I really don't have a lot of other treasures, but I do think... I don't think Schwarzenegger did a good job acting in this, as well as other people. I thought stuff was forced. But I thought, I'm glad, I thought Sinbad's performance was really good. I thought that if it wasn't for him, this would be just awful. But but yeah, that's my trash and treasure. All right. Uh, Rich, what is your trash and treasure? 
Well, I got a lot of stuff just going on to speak about, I guess you could say. Um, number one, I did think Sinbad did do a good job. Yeah. He did a great job. Some of my trashes, I'd have to say the whole dynamic of, I mean, I don't want to sound like racist or anything, but white kids just being completely spoiled. You know what I mean? Like, here's this kid who, damn, this is what I want. You know what I mean? Like, come on, man. Okay, real quick. When he's running upstairs and he slams the door in his dad's oh, yeah. Listen. No toy. What does that say right here, Jason? Yeah. Look at my notes. Please tell me what that first sentence says. White kids slamming doors, <laughs> walking away from parents. I'm telling you, man. I, and it was just like, and right after it, it never would have happened in a black household. Nope. So clearly you kind of see, it sets the tone for the movie. You know what I mean? And and every situation is, you know, but you're never there. And, da, 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 and, and it's like, Okay, you want a busy dad or a broke dad? Huh? Pick your poison. <laughs> yeah. So that kind of aspect was was a little bit bad. Uh, to piggyback on Mugga, I did like the kid's bedroom. You know what I mean? Yeah. Number one, growing up, never really had a bedroom. You know, it wasn't mine. <laughs> so to kind of see that kind of stuff there, it, it makes you, it's nostalgia and takes you back to that time period. You know what I mean? Your boy, Ted. <laughs> I get the character. You know what I mean? But how does he not get his ass kicked every day? Yeah, he's a fucking asshole. How did you know what I mean? Like you, you know it, he has a hidden underlying agenda with all the wives, you know what I mean? Like to sleep with all of them. Yeah. Guys, he's licking butts. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I, I kinda when I first well, when I rewatched it, I kinda thought about it now as an adult, and it's more so all I have to do is get you this toy and the world is all right. You know what I mean? Like, and it, it kind of set the tone for the movie a little bit yeah. to where yeah. I think that's what they kind of piggybacked it on. Like, I can miss all these different events in your life and not give a shit about you, but I can get you this toy and all is going to be right in the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that kind of seems like that's the the underlining part of the movie. So, of course, you see what a dad goes through to try to make his son happy just by getting him a toy, yeah. but it's basically to correct all the fuck-ups that he did prior. It's like, just show up to the fucking karate Right. Class. I would have showed up to the damn purple belt bullshit <laughs> yeah. and called Cold it a day. day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Who, Turbo Man. <laughs> Good luck, kid. <laughs> also, let's not forget, though, that he was supposed to get that a long time ago. He should have already had it in his possession. But let's be real. Like, uh, how many honeydews do you do for your girl? You know what I mean? She's yeah. the one that brought it up and said, hey, you know, you're supposed to, remember, you're supposed to get this months ago. Well, it's your job to keep reminding me till I get it. <laughs> it's like, if if you want me to get it, you know, let me know. Or it's just like, why don't you get it? And, you know, and then I'll pay exactly. for it. Exactly. You guys home all day drinking scotch and stuff, baking cookies. Hanging you know? out with hanging out with Ted. Hanging out, <laughs> yeah. Ted. What's Ted fixing lately, huh? Petting reindeer. Right. So that was just kind of a few things. Um, of, I think I had probably more trashes than treasure. Another issue that I really had with this was how many different things can happen in one morning. Oh, yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. everything happens Christmas Eve morning. Yeah. And it's still sunlight outside at the end of the day. Like, come on. Yeah, it's like, it's like he wakes up early, the little boy's eating breakfast, and then, like, he drives across Minneapolis like all day through traffic. Has anyone been to the Twin Cities? I've never been, so I don't 100%. know. 100%. I've been to Mall of so America. Can you do all this in one morning or? Fuck no. <laughs> okay, that's what I Especially with snow on the ground. Come on. Yeah. Does like it make that, you feel kind of lazy too? Like, man, I don't do half this shit in two days, and he's doing all this. Listen, in the he was already outside, dressed, fully ready to go. By you know the time what I'm he's at the parade, I'm like, I'm just waking up. 
yeah. On Christmas Eve, yeah. And let's be real, Mall of America probably opens at about 9, 30, 10 o'clock. Yeah. Like, come on. And yeah. he had time to get in a, in a Santa brawl. Yeah. And like dodge the police and a bomb and get like his right. tires all stolen. That, and and a lot station. of that stuff. Yeah. Go to the radio station. Exactly. You know, go find a diner that's still open on Christmas. You know, come Have on. a cocktail. Yeah. yeah. It's just, With it's a reindeer. lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot of stuff that happens where I'm just like, come on, how realistic is yeah. this? You know? So I think they could have done something better there in that aspect. Overall, the movie's okay in my eyes. All right. I've seen better. I've definitely seen worse. <clears throat> Elf. <laughs> but... <laughs> You know, it is what it is. Uh, Jason, what is your trash and treasure? Uh, the opening credit scene, I think, is my first trash. Just seems like a shitty Power Rangers kind of opening credit scene. I don't know. I just, I didn't like it. I was like, this is Power Rangers. You're stealing it. Um, you see this in a ton of movies, but when the cop pulls Arnold over the first time when he's going on the shoulder, and he asks him to recite the alphabet backwards. I can't even do that sober. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> I can't I, do it sober. I've had to do that once. That's like a real thing. Yeah. This is what is happens really? when you get pulled yeah. over and you're black. True you can, story. You can I've, really I've do it right now. I've had to do no. sobriety tests, oh. but I've never been asked that. Yeah, I've been asked that. That's it's, part it's like yeah, I've asked it, yeah, but it, it makes you think backwards, though. Yeah. I, I can't like, do it. No one can do it. It's, it's like Z-Y-X-W-V-U-T, S-R-Q, Yeah, you can't do it fast, for sure. He's doing it fast. Yeah, I was impressed right now. What's after T? Wait, before T? Exactly. S. Go to jail. Failed. Um, when the customers run into the store, when the, the the toy store doors first open, I just think of working at Target, and I remember like like they said those commercials where the lady had like the parachute on her back where she was running in to get the TV or whatever. It's like it, people literally run that's, sometimes. That's and, real. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, I do not miss retail. Um, when when Arnold's in the ball pit. <laughs> And the, the, the super ball bounced in there, and the kid gets it, and he's like chasing the kid all over. Anyway, he's in the ball pit. He's reaching towards the kid. He says, I need, I need that ball. <laughs> it's just, it just doesn't, it doesn't. I was watching with Elizabeth. We both looked at each other. I was like, man, that is not good. Say something else. It's a ball, and he needed it. <laughs> did, you, did you know that was a little girl? No. I didn't notice that when he was like, hi, little girl. And yeah. I was like, oh. I was like, that's yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Nice okay, bowl well. cut kid. <laughs> um, and overalls too. Yeah. yeah. I thought, yeah, that was a boy too. Um, I think Jake Lloyd is awful. Um, he's like, we were, you're talking about rich. He's just a little shit as a kid, just spoiled little brat. You already said a lot of it, so I'm not going to get into it again. Um, the, the conversation at the diner with Sinbad, I know you, you guys were already talking about this, but I just hate that they like, Oh, if I don't get my kid this toy, he's gonna end up like Sinbad, a postal worker with like like an, an alcohol alcoholic, yeah, yeah, with an alcohol problem. And it's right. just like, what the fuck is this? The moral of the fucking movie? It just really, really irritated the fuck out of me. I think it was meant to. I think it was kind of meant to be. Honestly, I think it was kind of meant to be like a satire on how materialistic Christmas is. You think they had that much thought into that scene? No, I think I think they so. said it. Like they said it right there. It's just like they said I did, it in in the research. Yeah, they said they said like I didn't get my toy. Now I'm fucked up. My millionaire neighbor, you know, he got the toy and now he's a millionaire. Like it's it's a commentary and like you said, TJ, a satire on how materialistic these you know quote unquote wholesome holidays have become. Where it's just like it's not about the the familial relationship. It's not about friendship or any of that shit or community. It's about being the motherfucker with the newest toy 
at school when Latest you come back from break. To yeah. be fair, I will say like I think a lot of critics did not like it because it was like, is this commentary or is this like slapstick comedy? Like, what what lane are we in? Yeah. So I, I don't think you're wrong in not noticing that because I don't think it was done very well. No. But I do think that that was part of the ploy was to kind of make fun of the fact that like what has Christmas become? Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Well, I just think it's not... And this kid's a brat. Yeah, and it's not a good look. It's like... Right. So he becomes a postal worker. He has a government job. Right. And he's going to get a pension. It's like, I don't think that's that bad either. Yeah, mm-hmm. he has a bottle of booze in his hand, but it's like... Right. I don't know. It just... It rubbed me the wrong... I didn't do that. I didn't see that in the research, mm-hmm. but it's just like... I, it rubbed me the wrong way big time. Yeah. Um. So I kind of feel like parts of this movie is like a cartoon. And one of the biggest parts is when the bomb goes off and... The cop is just like, it's just like debris and it's all black and stuff like that. And it's just like, then the next scene, he's fine. I feel like I'm watching a, a yeah, little cartoon. Yeah. I, I didn't like that. Like uh, a bomb that shakes the building, but he just has gunpowder on it. Yeah, I mean, right. he would, he would <laughs> Everybody else right. is fine. Yeah. <laughs> right. Everyone's good. Everyone would be dead. His hair's just slicked back. and building yeah. be evacuating. He back working two hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he had his hand with, bandaged with up. Bandaged hands, right. but, but he was fine. You know, right. he's good to go. I was like, wow, okay. Um, so I didn't like that. Arnold punching the reindeer. I just thought it was stupid. I yeah. don't know. I didn't like that at all. Um, a reindeer with facial expressions. Yeah. yeah. I just, come on. Uh, yeah. Reindeer Trash. Is, Trash. Is stupid. Um, we already talked about how Jamie doesn't know to romance his dad when he's that fucking close to him. I just, I don't know. the flying scene is out of a cartoon again. I think that was dumb. I just thought it was funny when, um, sorry, hold on one second. I don't want to say the last one. Um, <laughs> what is that? It just, it's, um, like Jamie says this part where he has the, the turbo man there at the parade and I, I, this is a stupid comment that's why I didn't want to say it but uh, he's like like I don't need this turbo man I have the real turbo man at home or yeah. something like that and I was like is that what women say I don't know it's stupid <laughs> just a stupid comment nice. <laughs> I have the real turbo man at home. I don't know mm. so I'll leave it out anyway cut that out Kerwin no uh, no it's, <laughs> it's going in the bloopers um Treasure Phil Hartman, I think he did a great job. We talked about the kids' room, um, Captain Avenger on the wall. <laughs> uh, I never had a room like that. I thought it was Fuck badass. <laughs> Sinbad was awesome. Uh, the way Arnold says, put that cookie down, it sounds like he's like <laughs> Predator or something like that. It was pretty awesome. Um, everyone crashing into stuff when the balls are tossed up. So when they're doing the the like bingo raffle type style with the balls, I don't know, I just thought... It was hilarious, like just it just how people act, and like I was starting to go on YouTube, because my mom always talks about the Cabbage Patch doll. Like she got one for my sister, and it was like hell to try to get one of these things. So I looked up some of the YouTube videos from that that time, and it's like people were fucking insane like this. This is like real, and now you just watch it on Instagram and Facebook when Black right. Friday rolls around. But um, yeah, it was it was interesting to watch some of that. <laughs> this is just something funny. Uh, when they get to the radio station and Sinbad yells at the radio host for laughing, he says he's probably one of those people who put their trash cans in front of their mailbox, so he has to get out of the yeah. truck. Um, my mail person has actually yelled at me about doing that. Here. <laughs> he's cleaning the garage out. I didn't even park in front of <laughs> my mailbox. Someone else did. And they actually got out and yelled at me one time and wow. said, don't park here. I was like, I'm, I'm so sorry. This, this is not... Or this is not, not my trash cans. This is my neighbor's trash cans. And he's like, oh, okay. And got back in the truck and drove away. But mm. literally got out of their truck to come and help me about this exact reason. Mm. Postal workers on edge. I, yeah. They want their job to be easy. It was midsummer, though. It was around the holidays, but still yes. got yelled at. This is like kind of a creepy thing, but it made me laugh. The taxi driver that's driving Arnold to the parade 
seemed way too excited about Turbo Man being there, and it gave off a really creepy vibe. Did you guys pick up on that or no? Mm-hmm. no. Go back and watch it, and we're just like, what the fuck? I just like that from Revenge of the Nerds, uh, that one. I, he had that one show, Booger, that's in Revenge of the Nerds, you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. No? Oh, he's Booster, the, the actor that plays oh, Booster. Oh, yeah. yeah. The Parade? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Parade. I forget his real name. The they, guy that's under the actual. Oh, okay, got you. Yeah. Um, in the suit when they're in the yeah, he's warehouse like smoking or whatever. A cigarette yeah. or whatever. Um, oh, when he's like, oh, I've been waiting for you or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We've been waiting all day. That guy. Yeah, I can't do the voice, but he's like smoking. Yeah, he's like Booger from. Uh, yeah, Revenge of the Nerds, nerds yeah. yeah, but that's all my treasure. All right, TJ, what is your trash and treasure with Jingle All the Way? My first trash is those, you know, Jason just talked about it, those Super Bowl lottery ticket things. Yeah. That is the dumbest fucking thing ever. It's funny, don't get me wrong, it's hilarious, but it's inefficient. Who writes numbers on balls? It's just stupid. They would use raffle tickets. Well, this is dumb. Well, what about like billiards like they got to write numbers on balls okay that's different okay we're talking about raffle tickets okay. not only do balls take up so billiards. much more space but then who wrote all of these numbers on all of these balls it's so stupid you can literally buy raffle tickets at the dollar tree that already are pre-printed with numbers on them whatever i thought that was stupid that was trash how we get that great scene in the ball pit though yeah yeah i know that's that's the only reason yeah, he's not gonna that. jump into a ticket i get it, I get a it. it's for comedic effect but it's not it's the dumbest idea ever and they were bouncy balls. They weren't even. They weren't even like ping pong balls. They were like bouncy balls. Yeah, yeah. Fucking stupid. Also, um, this whole fucking city that they have, Arnold only interacts with one cop ever. Obviously, they have more cops because there's more cops in other scenes. But why is this the only cop? Again, for comedic effect. But in what world does that happen? That you see the same cop four times in the same day? Motorcycle cop at that. Yeah. yeah. In in, Who in the Twin Cities, <laughs> yeah. one of the coldest parts of the nation. Right, because they have motorcycle cops yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah, come on. Yeah. At Christmas time, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> After a bomb. After he held a bomb. <laughs> How's he driving that thing? <laughs> How'd he get to the parade? Wait, think about it. Hold on, pause real quick. Just to piggyback on that. He burns both of his hands. How in the fuck do you ride a motorcycle? With you burnt mittens on, <laughs> yeah. and you, a bomb just blew up in your face. Right. And you're still at work. Yeah. Go figure. Nuts. Well, it's, uh, guys, you got to realize. He's, he's dedicated. He's only been at work, based on the timeline of this movie, he's only been working for one hour, probably. Like, right. all this shit probably happens in one hour. Uh, my other trash is the toy department salesman. Um, now, I think this was a famous person. Uh, Chris Parnell. Anchorman. Was he an Anchorman? Also SNL, SNL, right? Yeah, SNL. So this was his first movie um, that he made. I really disliked him. I thought not only was he like overacting, but I also thought he was rude as fuck when he started laughing at him for like looking for a Turbo Man. But I did read a, a quote from Chris that said that he didn't really understand how movies were shot. So he had to laugh at this Arnold character who was looking for a toy the whole day, right? Because they're shooting the scene over and over. And he said he wasted all his laughing in the wide shots. So once it got to the close shots, he was like, it was really hard to keep it up, which I think is like why it comes off as overacting to me. Mm. Like it looks mm. ridiculous. Like yeah, yeah it, it looks ridiculous. And he's rude. So horrible customer service. Uh, Booster. Everyone knows that Booster is trash, right? Yeah. Everyone knows that. The yeah. kids know that. My thing is like Booster is supposed to be this like some sort of hybrid of like a saber tooth tiger type animal, right? Uh, he's hot pink, wearing a gold thong, which is nuts to me. But he also has in his fur a white tee. 
I'm assuming for Turbo Man, but his fur is like, he has a T on his fur. So I'm like, did you, did you dye that? Were you born with a T on yourself? What is going on with this animal? All right. It's, oh, it's just branding, number one. Like, when you think about, like, merchandising and franchising, like, it's, 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 like, I'm thinking about it from a practical sense. It's just, like, it's the toy the kids don't want, right? Yeah. Super lame. But also, he's a sidekick, and by association, he has to have some sort of Turbo Man branding. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like how all the Thundercats have the the emblem on them. Kind of like all the Ninja Turtles are similar in some way. Like, there's some visual representation of what franchise he belongs to. I'm thinking of it from a product development level. Yes. Yeah, so. I'm thinking of it as... In what world is this animal born with the T on its chest? In the Turbo Man TV show. Right. Yeah. It's like his or trusty it, dog. It's like ble- he like put a stencil on his chest. He bleached it. It's similar to like, you know, when um, drunk fraternity guys like shave things into their chest hair. That to me is what I get well, there. I mean, like you pointed out, he's wearing a gold thong. Gold Looks thong. like he had a rough night, but he was partying. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's licking butts. I get it. Booster <laughs> trash. Um, also, Ted, fuck you, bro. You're a horrible person. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. Jesus. <laughs> he is hitting on this man's wife. All these other women, dude, by the way, are trash. Dude, when he's fucking, um, they're watching the carolers and he's just like grabbing her oh, yeah. the that, entire time. That was awkward. And then like in the car, like the car was like the worst. The car, dude. also I think it's weird to like just do, obviously, I mean, we talked about this when we, um, when we reviewed, God, was that, that movie with the neighbor, the crazy neighbor? Jake, with on. with a uh, oh the intruder my, yeah the intruder yeah, 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 yeah where he's just like cutting their lawn it's like similar like you're just putting like Christmas lights on someone else's house that's fucking weird you're weird also like this woman is married like uh, uh, he's just such a trash person mm-hmm. but he he played it so well yeah the actor yeah, did. did a good yeah. job I think he role. did a good well, job. I mean yeah, that's kind of I guess that's the benefit of having like an open role in a movie yeah like hey you're the neighbor but be a dick right yeah. yeah. Uh, the actor who played him, Phil? Phil Hartman. Phil Hartman. Yeah. He said, like, oh, I just went from one weasel to another weasel. Like, mm-hmm. he knew that this character was trash, obviously. All right, moving on to Treasure. I really I really like Jamie. I thought Jamie did a good job. I know Jason hates me. Um, so does Kerwin. Um, I thought he did a good job. I liked Jake Lloyd way better in this movie than as Anakin in Star Wars. Like, in Anakin, it was completely unbelievable. My theory is that Jake Lloyd played like a normal kid in this movie, so it was it came off a little bit easier because he just had to be himself versus playing like something in this fantastical world of Star Wars, which is a little bit more uh, challenging, I guess, from an actor's level. That that's my theory. I thought he did a, a great job. I I thought he was he you was a little kid. He you didn't fine. think he was reaching. No. As far as like his acting trying to pull to be no. so distraught. I thought he played a spoiled brat perfectly. Okay. We were talking about this earlier. The conversation on the phone. That is okay. cringeworthy. Cause dad, when someone makes a promise, Turbo Man says you have to keep it. I oh. thought it was great. That's a, that's what a little kid would say. It is about <laughs> ten times longer than that. And you see Arnold about it to beat his head into the phone booth because he's like I just got to talk to your mom. Stop with this bullshit rhetoric from Turbo Man. Like, just get and he just keeps going on and on, hanging up the phone. Yeah. Mm-mm. What yeah. would you know about making promises? You never keep your promises. Yeah. Okay. Me and Dad I got into a fight. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. I thought it was fine. Anyways, that's my that's my own treasure. You guys don't have to agree. Uh, also, I think this whole this is the only movie that I can think of. There might be others that kind of 
revolve around this premise of like looking for this toy or something during this Christmas rush. Like I thought that, I think that's pretty interesting. And I think it, at the mm-hmm. time it was very relevant. Uh, so I thought that the whole premise of the movie and making a movie about this was very smart. My final treasure is, you know, we talked about Kerwin that Sinbad improvs a lot of his lines. Arnold also improvs a lot of his lines in the interactions with Sinbad. I thought they did a great job. You know, great improv is when you don't really know whether it's improv or scripted. I thought they did a really good job. I thought their interactions were great. Yeah. They didn't seem forced to me. I thought their performances were really good. I don't I don't agree that Arnold's performance seemed forced. I thought he did a good job. I also think it was interesting, you know, the re- one of the reasons he took the role, you know, Kerwin, I think you touched on that, he experienced this kind of scenario in his own personal life, but also kind of like not playing an action hero and just playing kind of like a normal character who didn't really have anything going on other than being a normal dad. Mm. So I, I really like their uh, their interactions. All right, so those were my trash and treasures. Kerwin, what do you got? All right, uh, for my trash, um, first things first, you know, at the karate class, you see Jamie looking at the door to see if his dad is coming back. He ain't coming back on me. Aww. You know, I'm 32 years old and I'm still looking at the door and my dad hasn't come back. <laughs> I hate that. So I know how you feel. Um, and, uh, you know, I promise uh, that's dad speak for fuck your feelings. So fuck your dreams. That's that's what that means. Moving on. Um, Arnold, you should have just taken that olive branch from Ted and just watched the recording of the, the karate ceremony or whatever. It's just been like, yo, man, I'm late. I got a ticket. You know, I fucked up, whatever. Why don't we just watch Ted's recording together? Like, yeah. just take the fucking olive branch. You know what I'm saying? But whatever. Like, he, he wasn't into it. And then... Uh, you know, just I'm pretty sure it's illegal to just uh, import slash rent a reindeer and then just set it free into the wild. You know, Ted says he's like, "Oh, I found a couple of reindeer out by Lake Minnetonka. I'm gonna set it free." Like, that's illegal. You can't. That's do- someone's reindeer. That's yeah, you a trained reindeer. Yeah, you can't do that right. shit. Yeah, that's not cool. Um, and then um, I thought when the dude <laughs> was at the Big Show or whatever yeah. at the at the warehouse fight when he's just like, "I'm gonna deck your halls, bub." <laughs> I was just like, I was like, that sounds very painful. <laughs> That sounds very That's unpleasant. For me. Yeah, just like Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> oh and then uh, Myron, my guy, doesn't work. He just runs around tossing fucking everybody's shit everywhere. Like he's he's not gonna have a job at the end of this movie. Not only did he get arrested, and we'll talk about what Arnold did too, but like like he's just throwing out everybody's mail on Christmas Eve and shit. And I'm just like, you're not gonna have your job after this. Like you know, fuck what you did to get arrested. But it's just like you're throwing packages throwing shit everywhere like come on dog not like, to mention the fact that you're on the clock like you're supposed to be working right now yeah. I thought I thought it was pretty weird that he had that satchel everywhere he went he the whole be, movie me too leave, leave it, it in, in your, your piece truck, of shit bro. truck yeah yeah and, and it, it's it's like bottomless like right there, there's there's like it's bottomless there's fries in there there's mimosas in there it's bottomless dog he like, got a couple <laughs> bottles of alcohol well, yeah. and he has a truck like right. he could have left the satchel in there he's not one of these like door to door mailmen like he could, exactly yeah. I don't know. Yeah, lots of flaws. Yeah, but uh, speaking of Myron, um, I think we we touched on this earlier. I think Mugga did uh, as far as um, uh, the relationship between Arnold and Myron. I feel like uh, with Ted and Myron, I feel like it's redundant to have two villains, kind of. I feel like why not merge the characters of Ted and Myron into one mm. so you have a guy that's after his wife and is competing to get the toy so that we really hate the guy. Or have Arnold and Myron team up against Ted so that way we can sympathize with Sinbad's character and the two of them take down Ted together. 
Like maybe Myron is another guy in the neighborhood that Ted, you know, is trying to sleep with his wife or something like that. You know, like that would have been better, I think, because I feel like I don't like how Ted and uh, and uh, Arnold, or sorry, I don't like how uh, Sinbad and Arnold's characters are buddies one minute at the diner at the toy store and then they're fighting like one minute after that and it's just like it's hard for me to to pick how i want to feel about the character like mugga said it's just like pick pick one lane just pick make a decision do we like the guy or is he the bad guy so do you think it goes with outside of having this toy we can be cool we can have a drink together you know what i mean we can set this and i'm just playing devil's advocate here to where once that toy is brought up again, that thing that I desire to have the most, now it's like, oh, hey, fuck you, I need this toy. That That's actually a good point to bring up. Because like, they do share something in common. Right? Yeah, because they're, they're both normal. They're both you know dads I mean? trying to make their kid yeah. happy on Christmas Day. That's a good point. And they both work, even though they're two different lanes, you know, one is a salesman, one is a post office worker who delivers, you know, bombs and stuff apparently. Those similarities kind of go hand in hand because they both work hard at what they do. Yeah. And now here's it's crunch time mm-hmm. and we both need this. Right. You know what I mean? In order to save our relationship with our kid. What if that's a good idea? That's that's a good point to bring up. What if we take the side where it's like Arnold and Sinbad, they team up together against Ted and they you know, quote unquote defeat Ted at the end of the movie, yeah. right? And what if they're conf- they have to confront each other about this one doll that's left. Like the two guys that have been aligned this whole movie, they finally have to face each other regarding this one doll, and that's where kind of the moral resolution happens. Maybe that could be a thing. Yeah. So I think what it is, though, is you have to have that ideal, I-have-it-all character, right? Because they show that Ted, had, he bought it a long time ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's already wrapped in under the tree. So I'm I'm already set with my kid and he just loves me for me. I'm going to buy him a reindeer. I'm going to do all these extra stuff and I'm going to try and sleep with all these random women <laughs> in the neighborhood because I'm accomplished. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if they could have elevated Sinbad to that level mm-hmm. as far as him being equal to Howard, which is Arnold's character, to say let's team up and take down this guy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that would have worked mm. yeah. necessarily. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Also, I know this is your trust and treasure, so sorry oh, for ahead. intruding, but also I kind of like the the fact that Howard is dealing with like competing priorities, right? Like he needs to be home because Ted is hitting on his wife and he, you know, needs to be at all, all these, the parade and all these family functions, but he's also needs to be at work and needs to be trying to get this toy like that comp- I, I think that that's realistic to have these competing um ideals that you're trying to do both things at once you know so no. I, didn't, I didn't mind the fact that there were two villains yeah that makes sense i i just wish i i guess for me personally just the sinbad thing i wish they would have just picked a direction to go with the character yeah. but i but i do agree with what you're saying rich it's just like anytime the materialistic you know the the material gets involved that's what breaks up the relationships right like it's causing strain you know between these two men it's causing strain with his wife with his family the yeah. fact and and you know the purchasing of this toy is so representative of his inability to be present yeah you know no pun intended uh with his family <laughs> you know what i'm saying Correct. so yeah so yeah I, I guess i could agree with that um you know i hate the reindeer fuck him um <laughs> 
you know, when when Arnold knocks out the reindeer, I'm just like, damn, that motherfucker got Nate Robinson. So I, I did look at this because I was like, okay, that's Ooh. probably impossible for Arnold to like punch a reindeer like that. But reindeer, male reindeer, only weigh like 350 pounds, 350 to 400 pounds. That's not that much for a reindeer. Yeah, that's pretty light. Yeah, yeah, that's that's male reindeer. So I was like, well, Arnold probably could fuck him up. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Nate Robinson, Arnold could sell Olympia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Nate Robinson, Arnold could sell Nate a mattress. Oh, when this is over. Um, night, night. <laughs> um, so like Arnold breaks into the neighbor's house, burns everything, breaks the windows and the doors down. But we're not going to call the cops or emergency services. We're just going to go straight to the parade after that. Like, right. we're not going to do anything right. about that. I, I don't understand why that happens. Um, and it's Minnesota, you know, freezing cold, your house, <laughs> broken windows and everything. When by the time you get back, yeah, well, it's there's just, a fire inside. You're yeah. probably fine. That's true. Yeah. 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 But, uh, and then the other thing I was thinking too, like the entire time I'm, I'm just like, fuck, I was like, if Anakin got a Turbo Man doll, maybe he never would have turned into Darth Vader. Oh. Like, that would have been Damn. Something. That's a good point. Yeah. So, back to what we brought up before. Just like, you know, I get that this, you know, small idiot child doesn't recognize his father's face and a distinctive Austrian voice. But, like, his grown-ass woman of a wife cannot tell. Like, like you mentioned before, like, he's the only Austrian in fucking Minnesota. But, like, the thing that made me laugh the second time I watched it is when she's like, Harold? Harold or or Howard. Howard. She's like Howard. Howard. And I'm just like, she's trying to get that turbo dick. She is. Yeah. At first it was like surprise, and then I was like, oh, this is a good look for you. Yeah. It's like he. I'm surprised he didn't like wear the costume home. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I but, said turbo dick so much, I annoyed the <laughs> shit out of a lizard while I was watching this movie. Trying to get that turbo dick. Um, but uh, my treasure, you know, I liked I liked Ted's performance. I thought uh, Phil Hartman's performance was hilarious, especially yeah. when he's just like when he's wrangling the reindeer. He's just like usually they're so kind, you know. Like it's just hilarious, and I love uh, Arnold's interactions with him because like you can just tell by Arnold's face how fucking annoyed he is with this dude. Oh, yeah. Like the expressions he makes, I really loved it. Um, the intro, um, I, I like the the call outs to Power Rangers. Um, you know, we kind of mentioned off mic how, you know, Fox also produced, you know, the the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers TV show and the movie. And then at the beginning, you see Turbo Man, you know, he saves the president, the first lady and the kid. Right. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm just like, wow, if Turbo Man wasn't Olympus has fallen, uh, that whole plot could have been averted, too. <laughs> so. Do you also notice in that scene? I noticed it this morning when I was rewatching, but um, the, the kid is tied up, right? The, the first kid is tied up. And Turbo Man saves saves him and then sets him on the ground. And so he waddles over to his parents, still tied up. They don't want to tie him. They I didn't don't notice tie him. He's all duct taped up, so they don't want to tie him. He just like waddles over there and is like, Mom, Dad. It's like, it's hey, you wanna so- you wanna cut my kid loose? You wanna cut him loose? <laughs> they just hug him like nothing's wrong. Yeah. yeah. Um one thing though I thought was interesting is that that very first fight that you see on the TV show, it mirrors the final fight that you see at the parade. So there's a kid kidnapped by Dementor right. Turbo Man has to high, yeah, 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 high up all that yeah. other stuff so I thought that was you know I, I'm assuming that's intentional um, yeah, so that's actually smart yeah so I thought that was pretty I'm not gonna say brilliant or whatever but I thought that, I thought that was pretty cool how they foreshadowed that final fight um, I love the production value that they put into the character I like that they filmed all the commercials they made the packaging I thought the production value on creating this fictional franchise was pretty good too bad they couldn't do it in real life. And then um, when Ted says, he's like, you know, I've been watching A Pack of Deer by Link Minnetonka. All I could think of was like Charlie Murphy's like real Hollywood. 100%. Yeah. 100%. All I thought about was Prince. Like 100%. That's all I thought. 
was like, we making pancakes. And then, um, blouses, <laughs> game blouses. And then, uh, like Chris Parnell, um, I didn't like him in this, in this movie. Like, uh, the toys, yeah, the toys, yeah, I didn't, I didn't like it, but like, I, I just like him in general because like, I love his character in, in 30 rock. Uh, I think his, his character is like fucking hilarious, but that, that's a whole nother thing. And then, um, my last one is like, when uh, Santa Claus asks Arnold, you know, are you chicken? And he's just like, cheep, 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 cheep. <laughs> I, like, I thought the same thing. Like, cheek, 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 cheek. And I was like, that is awfully close to cheap, cheap, cheap. That is, uh, Tommy, I was, all I could think about was the room. <laughs> that's just all like, I thought about. That's all I could think about. But that's my, uh, that's my trash and treasure. Uh, we got anything else we want to talk about before we move on? So one of the things that really bothered me about the movie was at the end, we see that Sinbad's character is arrested uh, and taken into custody. For, for what, I don't know. I mean, specifically, maybe just chasing this kid up to the roof and endangering his life. But Arnold broke a ton of laws during this entire movie. So I'd like to just go through all of them, and you guys can feel free to join in here. Because he did a ton of shit, and yet he's seen as the hero. He gets to go home, right? Number one, I mean, he, he did get a ticket for using the emergency lane. Yeah. So I guess he got caught for that one. The bomb parcel obviously is very illegal. You can't just be threatening people with bombs, fake or real. Well, see, Sinbad did that too, though. He was an accomplice. You know what I mean? Like they both, yeah. They yeah. Arnold's character was an accomplice. Well, let's there. be real. Cops are gonna blame the black guy. Let's be real. Okay, that's what I'm. That's what I'm one, saying. One was in cuffs at the end of the exactly. movie. Exactly. That's what I'm yeah. saying. But please continue. Uh, <laughs> he for sure was trespassing in the radio station. He broke that door down. And also assaulted the DJ. Wait, can we talk about how hilarious it is when he fucking like, 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 like whips open the door, the door and it just shatters? And it shatters. That and he is... goes on and talks about the damn reindeer like I won. <laughs> Come on, they don't have, they don't okay. have security, no nothing. engineers, nothing. Yeah, so I don't know if you are. guys have ever been in a radio station, but that's some thick ass glass. Well, here we are trespassing and <laughs> assaulting the DJ, threatening police officers. That's kind of with the bomb thing, right? Mm-hmm. He broke into his neighbor's house and started a fire. That's that's called arson. You can't do that, yeah. right? He was an impersonating an officer in, <laughs> in the fucking warehouse. With the toy badge. You can't yeah. fucking do that. Like, I don't care who you are, Arnold. You cannot impersonate an officer. We talked about the reindeer on private property. Obviously, that was Ted. I'm pretty sure you can't do that either. He flew through the window as Turbo Man of that family that was just trying to have a nice Christmas Eve dinner. That's destruction of property. Might he be ran, breaking and entering if he was black. I think so. Oh, yeah, breaking and entering, I think so. Uh, he ran from the police officer, which evading arrest is obviously a huge crime as well. I'm just, what else? I'm just I thinking. Mean, he, I'm, also, he also he, he rear ended. He ran he over ran a over motorcycle. A motorcycle. And broke it. Like That's kind of like stepping on a police dog at that point. Also, we know that, like, everything that he did to that, like, even spilling coffee on that police officer would be, like... A, it's an assault on an officer. Assault on a law officer, right? Yeah. So he broke a lot of laws. I, I feel like he should probably be in cuffs, too, but that doesn't make for a good happy ending, so... Um, yeah, one thing I was going to bring up that I totally forgot about when we were talking about Ted was... Uh, I wish I wrote it down, but, like... Um, doesn't, like, the whole arc with Ted, right, remind you of the same plot of True Lies, where it's just, like, Arnold... Yep. Oh, that's, like, perfect. 100%. Yeah, it's, like, it's like I got this daughter and this wife. I got this son and this wife. My work is taking me away from them. My spy job is taking me away from them. Meanwhile, the car dealership dude is trying to bang my wife. Meanwhile, 
Ted is trying to bang my wife. Like, I feel like yeah. these movies are very, very similar. His daughter gets kidnapped. Son, Jamie gets kidnapped. They're up high. Was it the same name too? Is the daughter's name Jamie? It is hundred percent. No, no, no. That was Jamie Lee Curtis. No, 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 the, no, no, no. His daughter, daughter's name, name was Jamie. In no lies. fucking way. In true lies. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Jimmy! You gotta check it real quick. Let's look that up. Yeah. Cause you, I, got it, you got it, TJ? Yeah. I'm, okay, I'm, cool. I'm checking right now. Listen, I used to watch True Lies probably every weekend for the longest on VHS. Yeah? It, 100% it's Jamie. I remember the, the Air Force scene and all that good stuff. Mm. Oh, with the and jet? Yeah, with yeah. the jet, and he's sitting there reaching, Jimmy, no! <laughs> Can you do it one more time, Rich? <laughs> Jimmy! <laughs> And you say, put hold that on. on. Wait. The daughter's name is Dana. Fuck. Nah, fuck. I thought for sure it was Jamie. Damn. Well, it's Jamie in my eyes. <laughs> yeah. Can you can you do me a favor? Can you say, put that cookie down? Put that cookie down. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, that's that, Yeah, that was one thing I forgot. That that's what I wanted to mention earlier. But um, other than that, I don't really have much to you guys. We all so, agree that Arnold should have been arrested, though, right? Hundred yeah. percent. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Sure. In the real world, he still would have got away. But well, yeah, it's Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, it's Minnesota. Let's not talk about the crime that happens up there. Yeah. Ayo. <laughs> All right, let's move on uh, to uh, ticket prices. Mugga, how much would you pay to watch Dingle All the Way? I, I'm trying to give it some value, but I don't. I think I would rather watch Elf than this. And I gave Elf a zero dollars. I don't think I'll ever watch this movie again. Um, I don't even want to do the sequel that you're going to make us watch. Um, so I, I, I got I to go zero. I, I can't give this a monetary value at all. All right, you gave Elf five bucks, though. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. Oh, no. I. You know what I did? The reason why, and I, I was going to put that in, I thought that the way they shot Elf was because of the, the depth perspective, and I thought that was mm. interesting. I think that's the only way I give it a monetary value. I cannot give this any higher, so I'm still going to go zero on this. That makes sense. Okay, yeah. that's fair. Yeah. Rich, tell us how much you would pay to watch Jingle All the Way. Well, all in all, I did watch this on um, a secret box. So actually paying for it wasn't an issue. I give it for the time of when this movie came out in 96. Like I said, me and Mugga, it was our birthday. I had just turned 11. Uh, Mugga would have been 14. 20. Yeah, something, around that. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, me personally... It wouldn't have been a first choice, but I'd, I'd have to give it a five dollar rating. Okay, cool. not bad, not great, but bearables like for for the time period. You know what I mean? Like you got to think as a kid. You'd rather watch this than Elf. A hundred percent. Okay, a hundred percent. Because the reason why is that the actual plot makes sense. It does have like some cartoonish features and stuff like that, yeah. but. I think that we can all relate, even though we all don't have kids and whatnot. I think we can all relate to. Christmas a parent and being yeah, trying to do whatever it takes you know what I mean just to kind of make up for all these fuck ups hmm. yeah yeah. I wish I knew what that was like alright um, <laughs> boom Jason uh, what are you paying to watch this movie I remembered this movie being a lot better than it is because I had seen it before obviously previously uh, a few times probably ten times but I probably haven't seen it in a decade so it's not as good as I remember. I think if you would have asked me without watching it again, I'd probably have given it a 10, but I'm going to go, I think, 5. The kid kind of annoys me, but Arnold's in it, so i got to give it a 5. TJ, how much are you paying? All right, so like Jason, I remember this from, you know, back in the day. But I actually still like this movie. I still think it holds true to, to what I remember it to be, so I will give this movie a 10. It's tough, man. Look, I'm going to be honest. I, I read this movie twice and I wish I would have just bought it. I, I fucking love this movie. Like, I, yeah, like I, I fucking grew up. Wow. 
like loving fucking uh Power Rangers and Power Ranger-esque type shows. You know, your Big Bad Beetleborgs, VR Troopers, VR Troopers. Mystic Knights VR of Tiernanog. Yeah, you know, all that shit. Fox Kids, that was that was my my, my shit after go. school. 100%. Yeah, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, um, you know, we talk about the nostalgia thing. Like, I, it's an automatic 10 for me, but I, I really would really love to give it a 15, but I feel like I'd be selling out. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I... I that's tough, man. I I don't know if I should give it a fifteen just on the nostalgia factor alone. Like, can I say something about this? Because obviously, Jason talked about it. This movie on Rotten Tomatoes is rated at fifteen percent, mm-hmm. right? But despite that, despite that, this movie is played every year. It is widely loved during Christmas time. Yeah. It is not hated by the majority of people, right? Because mm-hmm. otherwise, they wouldn't play it. Do you guys think that like Christmas movies get a little bit of a pass for the nostalgia that it brings up? I think so. Also, I don't give a fuck about Christmas, but also <laughs> same. Yeah, for me, which is weird, like for somebody that's not big into holidays like that, like I actually really really like this Christmas movie. You like the movie. I like this movie a lot. See, I think this movie and Elf, I think I like look, like you'll never catch me watching these movies in like July. Hmm. I like these movies because they remind me of Christmas time. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's tough, man. You know what? Fuck it, I'll just go in. I'm oh, giving it, it. I'll do 15. Oh, really? Wow. I'll do 15. I, wow. I, fu- I fucking love Jingle All the Way, man. I fucking, I fucking it, love bro. this movie, Doug. Like, when it's on TV, like, I, I, I leave watching. it on. Like, I'm not gonna front. Like, I, I leave this shit on. Like, I, I really do love this movie, and I feel like, um, like, look, I just grew up in that time where it was just like, you know, there was the mad rush for toys and and I was heavy into Power Rangers and I love the superhero shit and like this had this had a lot of that wrapped up. I wasn't no spoiled little bitch like Anakin, but like I I rever- I very vividly remember like holidays being similar to this and I took the karate classes. We all sang Jingle Bells, Batman Smells at recess, you know, right. shit like that. Like something about this movie is very um Real. representative of like my elementary school life mm, if that yeah. makes sense so I, I'm gonna go 15 I, I'm gonna take the, the fucking nostalgia bullet I'll fucking do I it I love it yeah so 15 well, and for also, me it also comes back to a simpler time right yeah, Cause yeah. It, exactly let's be real if that was to happen today we're looking online we're going to eBay stuff 100%. like that but to see you know a dad chasing down this holy grail of a damn toy yeah on this particular day is kind of it brings back. It brings yeah. it back. And I thought it was just dope. I was just like, oh wow! By the end of the movie, like he's wearing the fucking suit, like that. Right, I, I just, he is him. Yeah, I thought that was just a cool thing, and I and I still think it is. I think I still think it is cool. Like like this movie has a lot of like problems, but I, I think like the things I like about this movie far outweigh like the the trash that I have with it. Mm. Like I feel like the most of the trash that I have is nitpicky. It's not really technical. You know, aside from like maybe Jake Lloyd's performance in places, but like for the most part, like I I don't have a lot of problems with this movie as a movie. So I love it. Just to touch base on that, do we know what happened to the real Turbo Man for the parade? Yeah, what the fuck? Oh, that's a good question. You know what no, I mean? No, no, they talk about it. Um, it was like they had a test the day before. And no, they were supposed to send a replacement. Send a re- so exactly. Oh, yeah, right. exactly. So oh, where was the replacement? The replacement. Yeah. Oh. They, he probably like showed up a little bit late, and then he was. They were like, "Wait, you're not out there?" And he was like, "No." And then they're like, "Oh, well, someone else." Think about that. But did he get a check though? <laughs> no, no, no. Myron probably tossed it out with all the mail. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. So, uh, Jason, how much are we paying to watch this movie? 
So Mugga Zero really drags it down. Yeah. Not to say uh, Rich and I's fives, so we're paying $7 to watch this movie. You know what? I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. I get it. Yeah. I mean, I think I was hovering between a five and a ten. There's some parts I like of this, but I think Jake Lloyd kind of kills it for me. And it sucks because we started doing this podcast, and I feel like I'm so critical now watching some of these movies. I agree. And then Elizabeth's starting to do these podcasts here and there too with us and she's super critical. So like I'm already being a little more critical than I used to be and then she's like being way more critical and it just like it's like I don't I think it's an interesting point to make though because I always think about what is the movie's intention, right? Like mm-hmm. if I'm not the if me as a 30-year-old man is not the intended audience, then I'm I shouldn't be judging it as a 30, right? I, I do think it's an interesting point because you said you loved the movie when you were little. I did. And now that you've grown up, you're like, this movie is not that great. Yeah. But it's just an interesting perspective to have because I think as we, as our experiences change, our view of the movies also change. That's a that's a good point that you guys both bring up because like I, I would love to do an extra credits on this with everybody. Like everybody that's, like even you, Rich, like everybody that's been like a guest as well. It's just like how doing this podcast has made us like more critical or less critical Personally, I think I've become less critical. I'm still very critical with what I observe, yeah. but as far as my ratings, I think I think it really comes down. I've leaned more into did I like it or not, or whether not whether or not I thought it was good. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like you, I, you know, I always talk about like the entertainment value. Like, yeah. was it entertaining? Whether it was a good movie or not, was I entertained? Mm-hmm. Which is the point of a movie? Yeah. To you know, to me, I'm like, yeah. So you know, a lot of times I skew on the higher end of the scale because. Yeah. Yeah, you know, for me, I I am entertained. Yeah, because I think I think my ratings, um, despite how like I shred movies apart sometimes, I think my ratings, like you said, like come down to, do I like it or not? Does it accomplish its goal, mm. etc.? And if I fucking hate it, I don't care how much work went into it. I fucking give it a zero. Like right. that's that's just how I feel. But like, um, I, I would love to do like kind of like a, a session with like everybody that we've had and just kind of like look at how doing this podcast has changed how we kind of observe these movies and rate them. Like, I I think that'd be a really cool thing. Yeah. Yeah. And what we look for, you know, the reality is like the first time anybody watches a movie, they're watching it for the entertainment, right? Mm -hmm. To be brought into this world or this story. When you watch it two, three, four, five times, you're now picking things apart. Yeah. And it can kind of take away a little bit of the magic, but also like that's, what that's what this podcast does yeah know, when you're pausing to take notes every 10 right. minutes and all that's that but I think it takes like a couple of times actually watching the movie mm-hmm. like with this I watched it no laptop no nothing and I said I'm gonna watch it as a fan first right mm-hmm. and then I took that information in and it kind of sucks because yeah I'm older now you know what I mean 20 plus odd years later here I am looking at it I'm just like well damn what was I thinking when I was a kid watching this right. you know what I mean and I try to kind of I don't necessarily go back into that time frame, but I got to think, you know, what was happening in 96, you know what I'm saying? Everybody was rooting for Michael Jordan. Everybody was watching certain things happen throughout. You know, we weren't thinking about politics and shopping. You know, we were just kids loving toys at that time. Mm -hmm. So I kind of take that into consideration doing these, you know, reviews and stuff like that. And that's why at that time frame, I would give it a $5 rating, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. for sure. That's so and, it's, you know, the reality, too, is that the really, really great movies get better the more that you watch them. Correct. You know, despite how old you were when you first saw them, the really great movies, you, you notice different things when you're rewatching, you see different things, you learn behind-the-scenes facts, and you love them even more for all of those reasons. So, you know, I think that it's a good... 
it's a good exercise in kind of understanding how our opinions change throughout time. Yeah, but yeah, I, I say I say let's do like extra credits like sometime soon. You know, yo, this is our fiftieth episode, by the way. Forgot to throw that out there, so we hit ooh, fifty. Ooh. Just the same age as Mugga. <laughs> <laughs> Mugga left early, so he can't say shit. <laughs> Gonna um, take a nap, huh? Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, like uh, fifty episodes in, I think I think now is the appropriate time to kind of like have a, like a little recap on what we've done and how this podcast has affected the way we kind of watch movies in general, but. Yeah. All right. So, uh, what was it? Seven dollars. Seven dollars. All right. Cool. Uh, but will we pay more if Tom Cruise was in this movie? So, if Tom Cruise was in Jingle All the Way, who would he be? Uh, my Ted. vote is Ted. Yeah. Ted. I think he could play, play Ted yeah. for sure. He could be Jamie. <laughs> Damn. He could be one of the demon team. Damn. That's true. That's true. He could be like the little elf at the the mall Santa. Like, oh, he could be the trying. little girl in the ball pit. <laughs> there you oh, go. oh my god. Wow. No, I think Ted, because, you know, uh, Tom Cruise is, like, handsome. He could definitely be that, like, neighbor next door who's, like, a creep. Mr. Fix-It. Yeah. The Phil Hartman does such a great job. That's only my hesitation yeah. for does, doing that. He does, but... Yeah. He could be the, the cop, the bike cop. Ooh, that's a good oh, one. Oh, yeah. that's, yeah, that's a good one. one. Yeah. Radio host. That'd be good, too. Rock the 90s, the long hair ponytail. He could do Mission Impossible 2 hair. There you uh, go, man. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that's it. And uh, in the words of Tom Cruise... Put that cookie down! <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of $20 Ticket. Follow us on Instagram at $20 Ticket and leave your ticket price about the movies we've reviewed. If you have any comments or suggestions, send them to $20ticket at gmail.com. That's 2-0, the numbers, $20ticket at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts and thank you for listening. So he had to take short breasts, uh, short breasts. Are there long breasts? I don't know. We're the ones that say stupid shit. <laughs> there was literally nothing to do on the internet when we first got it. You could send right. emails and you can maybe look at a couple news articles. There was a, uh, there's maybe porn. Maybe play games. There's porn. Yeah, porn there has been since the beginning of time. Stills, I mean, I hey, back yeah. in the day, stills did it. Yeah. Nowadays, you need like motion, VR. Our, our tastes have evolved. <laughs> <laughs> For the better or worse. Yeah. Well, that's to be determined. Well, as long as there's a story, that's all that matters. I like the story too. <laughs> you know the Finer Things Club in the office? Yeah. Yes. Phyllis comes in. <laughs> oh, yeah. Beep, 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 beep. Yeah. Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> I don't even what are you trying to make, Phyllis? <laughs> popcorn. <laughs> make it in the break room. I can't. It smells like, like popcorn. popcorn. <laughs> she doesn't say popcorn. She's like popcorn. <laughs>